0: Do small statues found in Japan indicate that sushi, tea, and kimonos originate from otherworldly beings? Atlantis, according to Plato, this mythic land would be outside the pillars of Heracles, but could he have been wrong? Did aliens try to contact us in Japan by drifting ashore in a hollow boat in 1803 with a box? some might say contained a supercomputer. Hi, hello and welcome to Digging Up Ancient Aliens. This is the podcast where we examine the TV show Ancient Aliens. Do their claims hold water to an archaeologist or are there better explanations out there? I'm your host, Frederick, and this is episode 10. And aren't we going to have a real treat for you today? We have left season one behind us together with Blake Smith from Monster Talk. So we're going to get into season two now, but... This time, we will actually start to jump around a little bit in the seasons ahead. We won't have the red thread through the season as in season one had, So this means that we might take a little bit things out of orders for, well, reasons you will soon notice. We will today break down episode three of season two called Underwater Worlds, originally aired Back in November 11, 2010. We also have a very special guest with us today. But before that, remember that sources, resources and reading suggestions are attached to the show notes. And of course you can find them on our website, diggingupancientaliens.com. There you will also find contact info if you find any mistakes or might have any suggestions or corrections. And... If you like the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you left one of those fancy five-star reviews that I've heard so much about. Well, enough of me jammering. Let's start the show. So, I want to welcome Thea to the show Welcome, Thea. And um, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. So uh, by night, I am a history podcaster. And by day, I am a second grade teacher at an international school in Japan. Two very, very different (laughs) things. but very similar things at the same time. I have to be able to capture the attention of people in a very short span of time. uh, And I have to capture the attention of children (laughs) in a very short span of time. So actually the two skills are quite applicable to both things that I do. Um, Other than that, I am an avid Japanese history lover. I've been living in Japan for about seven years. Um, and i love ancient aliens (laughs) and all things mystery and weird
0: (laughs) (laughs) amazing then you're in the right place at the moment at least so i assume that you have seen ancient aliens before
1: i have i have seen ancient aliens before it was one of my dad and i's favorite thing to watch um When it was super late at night and both of us couldn't sleep and we'd go ancient aliens. I go, yeah, ancient aliens. And we'd watch reruns of it. and (laughs) (laughs) It was really fun. I don't claim to be an ancient, ancient aliens expert, but I do enjoy the episodes a lot
0: amazing and have you encountered these claims in the episode before or was this first time you heard about the things that they bring up
1: some of the things i had heard about before um but strangely enough the the things that they talked about in this episode in regards to japan i had never heard them before because they're so bizarre and so out there and (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I have heard of all of the things inside Lake Titicaca and Atlantis. Of course, everybody's heard of Atlantis. If you like weird stuff, if you even have a passing interest in history, you know about the legend of Atlantis.
0: Yeah, and we will talk a bit about Atlantis. Actually, this is just one episode I have with Atlantis. I think there's two, maybe three more with Atlantis. So it's more to come later on. And I looked forward a bit in their <laughs> schedule. <laughs> but how about we dig down into the show itself?
1: Perfect. Let's do it.
0: So ancient aliens like to bring up these little teasers, mm-hmm. so to say, before the very pompous intro they have. So we, <laughs> for example, meet David Childress that, if you're new to the show, uh, might not be. No, but he's a steady fixture of ancient aliens, yeah. and he usually have the most ludicrous <laughs> ideas that's a about kind word. everything. But he repeats something from uh, <laughs> that's a kind yeah. word, <laughs> very kind, liable loss, right? and everything like that. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, in the first season, he talked about some two hundred sunken cities in the Mediterranean. Guess what? We will not. Really talk about Mediterranean mm. at all, and we looked into this back in episode four, I think. Mm. And I could find a few sunken harbors that, due to you know earthquake and things, slid down in the oceans. But the two hundred number, eh, a bit iffy at best.
1: Seems seems quite the exaggeration. And,
0: and episode <laughs> just a little bit shorter parts of cities underneath, but whole cities. I don't think we have a single example, at least in the in the Mediterranean, of course. And we also meet Graham Hancock. Have, do you know anything about him?
1: No, I don't really know anything about Graham Hancock other than my encounters with him on Ancient Aliens.
0: The, the thing is, he is more in this element, in this episode, because Graham Hancock will be very upset if you call him an ancient alienist no way (laughs) he's pre-civilization civilizationist basically okay Uh, but he's appearing a lot in ancient aliens but he he will be a bit upset if you (laughs) call him an ancient alien theorist for some reason (laughs) so he's playing that on the down low. yeah (laughs) they bring up primitive men which are steady fixture in ancient aliens Mm-hmm. I have things to say about that, <laughs> especially later. And of course, we will talk a lot about deglaciation in this episode, yes. or they will try to. sigh, realizing that, wait, Scandinavian ice age is different from world ice age. And it's good to understand that... Things have uh, happened differently in different parts. Mm -hmm. So while you have sea rise in other parts of the world, in Scandinavia, we have land rise instead. Due to the land or ice mass from the big glaciers, they push down the um, tectonic plates. So when the ice have disappeared, we actually have a rise in Scandinavia. So we watch the old shorelines instead. So we actually get more land instead of less
1: I had no idea. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> Maybe Scandinavia is just going
0: to... Uh, Scandinavia will rise up through the sea and take over. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was thinking. The...
1: <laughs> Scandinavia is no, just so going to you... turn into Mount Olympus. and. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, basically the Baltic Sea was actually the Baltic Lake, what? which fit the um, Swedish same, because in Sweden we call uh, the Baltic Sea uh, the Baltic Lake, actually. So... For us, it's a lake, but...
1: Just a really big (laughs) old lake.
0: (laughs) It's a really big lake. (laughs) Yeah, let's move on. We have the pompous intro. Yep. And then we open up the show itself on Atlantis. Yes. Of course. Yes. If you want to talk Sunken Cities, you sort of need to bring up atlantis and have you been well traveled in the atlantis myth or legend or what we want to call Um, it
1: i have been well traveled in the way that most 90s kids are with that one animated movie about atlantis <laughs> um and also my weird junior high school obsession of finding Atlantis. I thought it was going to be me. I was convinced I was going to mm. be a marine biologist. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to be the one to find Atlantis. So that's about as well-versed as I am <laughs> in Atlantis history.
0: So what was your pet theory on where Atlantis were located? If teenage uh, Thea could...
1: Oh, teenage Thea was convinced that it had just sunken, not not into the o- like past the ocean. And now it was in a hidden little cave area. Like we had to dig through dirt and... The tectonic plates mm-hmm. to get inside just like in the actual movie um they the the animated movie
0: where yeah, i was about to say that that <laughs>
1: <laughs> i was like oh my gosh this is a hundred percent accurate how did they get these animated characters to actually go to atlantis i believe this
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's but that movie was actually pretty Good. it was such a good movie what i can remember now some 20 <laughs> 15 years oh, later God. or how old <laughs> yeah. i am now <laughs> maybe it's best to not, not think yeah about i that don't want to think about but how old that movie is, is.
1: <laughs> let's let's not go there
0: <laughs> let's not go and look it up Right. yeah uh, i can add it in post yeah <laughs> but um have you read the actual books that the uh, Atlantis legend are based on, uh, the Tameos or creepus
1: I haven't read them. Uh, Greek, Greek history and mythology weren't weren't really my thing. Um, I was always a big fan of J- mm-hmm. Japanese history. I have a lot of things to say when we come to the part about Japan, yeah. <laughs> but I would love to hear more. <laughs> Please educate me on this.
0: So basically. What are you talking about? Atlantis is an uh, invention of uh, Platon, who is part of the Socratic uh, school of philosophy. Or uh, there's a discussion if Plato invented Socrates <laughs> or if he actually was. Yeah, but that's a whole different discussion. But the books that this Atlantis legend comes from are named Timaeus and Cretas. And it's actually two people. That's part of the dialogues that Plato had written up. So there's a series of four books, and in the last two, we have mention of Atlantis. So in Timaeus, cretas who is a statesman in Athens, bring up Atlantis as the the most advanced civilization that he could think about, at least, and he just mentioned it in passing when Timaeus has his dialogue. And in the next session, we move on to Kretas, who is going to tell um, tell a story, he says, even in the text. So he claims that because my theme is more difficult, I shall argue that it seemed to speak well of the gods than to men is far easier than to speak well of men to men. So basically, he wants to talk about hubris and how much easier it is to, well, uh, insult gods in the then end it and it is men yeah, men to men yeah <laughs> <laughs> then it is men <laughs> because men is the only important part in greek truly, <laughs> truly though <laughs> history unfortunately but if you understand Plato, you understand that the story about athens is a uh, allegory for a civilization who stops caring about the gods and what happens then to it and basically they stop caring about the gods and just want more and more and in the end they just fall to pieces. It doesn't matter how good or fantastic or well advanced their society is if you don't care about the gods the gods will punish you as Greek mythology (laughs) (laughs) usually brings up quite quite often and they move from this to um, Poseidon. Yeah. And if you don't know about Greek mythology and ancient aliens, yes, the Greek gods are aliens. <laughs> it's good to it's remember. It's you
1: remember the Greek gods are <laughs> so aliens. <this> is <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's interbreeding between aliens and the uh, humans is what they want to describe in different variations so weird. because they don't really understand that part themselves because it don't add up yeah. because either humans were wholly invented dna wise from the aliens or the most extreme theory is that we are aliens who time travel because we travel in the speed of light and then ended up on <laughs> earth
1: I like that one. <laughs> I like that one a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, it goes full circle on the right? crazy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so we are looking for, ourself, we're just looking basically. for ourselves, basically.
1: ourselves. but isn't that what we're all already and doing? It's not me. We're all just looking yeah. for ourselves in the end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we are on a mission to find our inner self. That's our alien self. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I bye. Yeah. It. But that's the most extreme. And it's me, not me too. that's twisting words. I think it's back in episode three they bring this up, if you want to go and double check. But, um, yeah, they have some fantastic ideas, to say the least. Yeah. Cretas himself brings up that the Atlantic... Atlantic? Atl-
1: Atlantean? Atlanteans?
0: I think it's Atlanteans. Yeah, Atlantean, I think they are called. Yeah. Atlanteans? Yeah, Atlantean people... Yeah stem from poseidon and yeah that he but it's not his first human uh, female that he uh, encounters and you bring up zeus which is
1: <laughs> in my notes
0: <laughs> great example of <laughs> greek i almost want to say fetishizing <gasps> between uh, gods and it's some fantastic Stories That they have But yeah The Greek gods Have some Amazing Interest for Human yeah. Women And men And
1: men too And animals But
0: uh, mostly human Zeus Yeah <laughs> And animals And everything in between exactly. And sometimes They even disguise themselves As swans, swans? For example Yeah uh, While um, Yeah
1: While yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: yeah. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> Let's leave it at that. You can use your imagination, imagination to <laughs> fill out the blanks there. Yeah, we are almost kid friendly. Mm-hmm.
1: Aliens. <laughs> but it, um, and kids. Those are our two major. Again, tarmacs. brings up.
0: Yeah, aliens. <laughs> at least Plato moves from the Poseidon start to the dis- destruction that it was destroyed in a day and a night. And yeah, that's in the text. And then they start with the location. And I find this quite interesting because Critias is very certain where it's located. So... so this is a small excerpt from the work Critias by Plato. Of the combatants on the one side, the city of Athens was reported to have been the leader and to have fought out the war. The combatants on the other side were commanded by the kings of Atlantis, which, as was saying, was an island greater in extent than Libya and Asia, and when afterwards sunk by an earthquake, became an impassable barrier of mud to voyagers sailing from hence to any part of the oceans. For first of it, Atlantis is not your little city state, as you might remember Mm -hmm. from the Disney movies or uh, common uh, depictions of it. It's a landmass greater than Libya and Asia combined. So it's not a small uh, area, it's a quite decent sized Mm -hmm. area, and it's located just outside the pillars of Heracles, so a bit outside of um, Morocco and spain basically and he also brings up that this is why the atlantic ocean is no longer navigable because you had atlantis there is just a bit a huge pile of mud and uh, yeah you can't sail there yeah. anymore basically which obviously wasn't yeah true.
2: <laughs> just and not true at all Even Plato,
0: to some extent knew this but Again, he's not trying to describe a real place. He's describing an allegory for a place that, again, fell to hubris and didn't listen to the gods any longer. So while we say, oh, outside Spain. The show have a different ideas yeah. what outside the pillars of Heracles is located,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because we are thrown away to uh, the sunny beaches of Bahamas. <laughs> yes,
1: in which Cuba. is a bit
0: <laughs> further away from Spain.
1: Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we go to uh, North Bimini Islands where they say that there is a ruin twelve to thirteen feet under the water, and they show. A lot of pictures of rocks
1: yep just bunches and bunches of rocks and they all look the same like the same rocks
0: yeah but the thing is if you don't really know what you're looking about for or on as a layperson, person mm-hmm. nature can be pretty awesome in making shapes for sure. in general so sure some of these rocks are quite square but you will be able to find square rocks wherever you look, Mm -hmm. basically. And if you don't know what you're looking for, for example, on excavation with new archaeologists, especially on their first dig, you have, oh, look, I found something, (laughs) even if it's just down two centimeters in the ground. (laughs) And, well, no, that's that's a right. rock.
1: Throw it away. <laughs>
0: and then, oh, I found something. No, that's a rock. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of, I found something. And look, this this wood have carvings. No, that's ants. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't know what you look at, things will look strange. And nature is quite awesome yeah. on making shapes mm-hmm. in general. But doesn't mean that it's human made. And you found some... Study here, I think I see in the notes.
1: Yes, so um, with these stones that were found in the Bahamas, it said in the episode, it was talking about how they were clearly man-made with tools and that some, uh, mm. whatever archaeologists were down there found tools next to these rocks, but they never showed us the tools and then the people who were actually doing the <laughs> no. right—it's so weird—and then this guy J. A. Gifford and M. M. Ball in the 1980s were actually doing uh, research on these formations that were found, and they said, mm. "quote We have we saw no evidence on any blocks of the regular or repeated patterns of grooves or depressions that might be interpreted as tool yeah. marks. So there were no tool marks on." The stones that were said to have been found with tools next to them. Oh, P.S. And by the way, we're not going to show you the tools. You just have to believe us that there were tools there.
0: Yeah, that's a common theme in uh, ancient aliens. You know, in documentaries, how it's best to tell and not show. Yep. Yeah. That's ancient aliens. Don't show favorite anybody. Thing. <laughs> oh, we find these amazing things. But, um, Let's show you something else instead. We can tell you about it. (laughs) (laughs) As you want to do in a documentary. Exactly. They don't spend too much time on North Bimini Island because I think to some extent they realize that they don't have that much to really show and tell. No. At least from there. So they're switching up to Cuba. Yes. Which doesn't really fit with the idea they want to present about the little city Atlantic state. It would fit in the size of Libya and Asia Atlantis model, but we're going to Cuba and we're going to uh, meet Paulina Zelecki.
1: Yeah. A. Who
0: uh, is a professor in English, as I Yeah, an English
1: professor out there doing some archaeology stuff. What are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing out there, Paulina?
0: (laughs) (laughs) She is going to find Atlantis. She is. (laughs) No, but that's also something in ancient aliens. They love to put out titles. So you have PhDs, Mm -hmm. you have doctors, and then you look it up. Oh, that one is a dentist. I'm not sure how he specialized in ancient (laughs) artifacts in the Middle East, but okay.
1: Sure, whatever.
0: (laughs) Sure, you can have it.
1: Yeah, we'll give it to you, ancient aliens. As a little
0: side thing, but I wouldn't call him a specialist and I would not use my degree. For example, if I were to talk about something not related to said degree but of course it sounds better and makes the viewer to feel that oh this is a doctor of course he would know what he's talking about again because they don't really tell you often what they're a phd in where they work or anything like that if they do they usually talk about something they know and there's usually you know the pet scientist in the episode who is there to say random things that they cut out of context to make their point look a little bit better
1: yep and then most people don't um go look through who the i'm sorry people don't look at who the the phd people are in documentaries they assume the documentaries are there to inform them correctly and not lie to you. Documentaries aren't supposed to have an agenda. So why would somebody go look up the credentials of the PhD person? So that's a sneaky, sneaky thing that ancient aliens gets away with.
0: Yeah, not only them that's a common thing, but as you say, documentaries, people look at them to learn. So they assume that the researchers and the TV station and the producers have vetted and you know talked with Proper expert, and it's especially dangerous when they send this on learning channels as yeah. they want to call themselves, like history or discovery or the teaching network. I think this's been on too, so again, those names that's previously was okay, sure history channel was called Hitler Channel for a long time due to only World War II documents, right. but it was those were at least somewhat (laughs) somewhat correct so they got this reputation of being a documentary channel who made okay sure they don't get everything correct since it's a tv medium they need to keep the viewers attention Mm -hmm. so they might stretch something bring up some weirder ideas but they are you know they weren't really ancient aliens level back then So, yeah, it's something to look out for in documentaries. Otherwise, you have loose change types of things all over again.
1: For sure. <laughs>
0: A whole different subject, that mm-hmm. one. But <laughs> but uh, Zaletsky were part of um expedition that were looking for uh, the USS Maine. I'm not really into that part of history but uh, apparently it sank under mysterious circumstances during the spanish-american war and they used sonar to try to pinpoint the location of the ship and this is when they then found this mysterious city outside of cuba some 670 meters down or 2200 feet for the american listeners <laughs> and again they're mixing a bit of uh, pictures because why wouldn't they <laughs> so we see a bit of rocks very close up on the rocks no aerial photography will come to that in a little bit and we have linda malton Ho that's also a Good fixture from Ancient Aliens. She got famous from uh, newscasting about uh, cattle muti- mutilation or mutilation.
1: <laughs> that <laughs> was a good one.
0: <laughs> now it came.
1: He's <laughs> a grower. It uh, is. It is. I, I was thinking, what did he say? No, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> she got famous. And
0: she even got an Emmy for that. She don't bring it up <laughs> for the mutilation. Um, yeah. <laughs> she got an Emmy for that.
2: <laughs> Did she? And oh I
0: think gosh. she has tried to get another one. So, yeah, she usually brings it up every so often, <laughs> but uh, not in ancient aliens for some reason. Or <laughs> I just haven't gotten so far. Uh, or they just caught that. Oh, remember when I got that Emmy?
1: <laughs> Just in casual <laughs> <But> conversation. <laughs> again,
0: I would. I might also drop a casual conversation if I would get an Emmy sometime.
1: Same, same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if we go back to Zalitsky's um, research yeah. or discovery, they back in 2000, they used radar to look for this ship. They claimed that they did find pyramids a Stone Age of swings and even a copy of the face on Mars. They don't really bring up the face on Mars in the episode, but that's part of the mythology. And it become quite a media sensation back in December, 2001, somewhere there. And after that, it went dead silent. They even returned in 2004, not much, um, attention from the media. And, um, or other publication the reason for this is according to ancient aliens theories is that the army has suppressed them oh yeah so they can't go back and film and present but then they could they do go back because <laughs> uh, malton how as i brought up she is on location here on the boat looking at the radar That seems to show some square structures and they bring it up in the episode. They don't really bring up the clear old images because they were very brushed up. But they show images of what they want to call the complex. And you see squares that they have 3D models. The thing is with radar that you can't really get these really nice uh, degrees on the angles. Yeah. So it means that they don't look at the real sonar. They have 3D modeled and put the points out by themselves. So it would look more real than it actually is. So it's a bit...
2: Suspicious? A
0: little bit suspicious there. And then they show this submarine uh, that they borrowed to uh, videotape everything and... If you were to video something, you might get some nice aerial footage, but no, we again the long or close up shots, yeah. not the long shots. And the show wants to get this site back to 10,000 years yeah, at least.
1: So weird,
0: why? I don't know, really. They just fix it because ten thousand years are pre-civilization, so they want to show that oh it must have been alien since there's no other civilization. I think is their their theory in all of this, but they also use some weird dating method that I couldn't really recognise that we use or how it would work or Anything, but they claiming that the se- site sank six thousand years ago, and they have uh, volcanic ash to prove this dating. <laughs> How they did it, or anything else? No. Nobody knows. Uh, we will switch. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nobody knows. Not even us. Right. Don't ask so many questions.
1: <laughs> Look at this rock. It's so nice and square.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a very fancy it's stuff. It's a fancy rock. rock. <laughs> it's completely square. You don't get square things in nature. Never. Yeah. Never. <laughs> of course, we had Atlantics. So we have the next thing that we have to talk about yes. when talking about water and aliens, the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. Were you into that? Yes. Grace too?
1: I was into the Bermuda Triangle uh, because of my mom. Um. so she went to school for mm. uh, she went to university for aviation management and I was um a kid at the time when she was going to university and she had to do a lot of research on the Bermuda Triangle because there's all of this mythology oh. and hype around the Bermuda Triangle but it's actually no more dangerous than any other mm. part of that area of that ocean in fact it is one of the l- less dangerous
0: parts yeah that's what i found too. i don't really understand or i do know the history of the bermuda Triangle. and it's quite recent history but they have this i think it's three or four events that they tend to talk a lot about yeah. but as you say if it's not that strange that things disappear in an ocean. The ocean's Generally, really,
1: really ships big. Ships tend to
0: sink all over the place. And it's really big and it can be hard to find. So, for example, they tend to talk a lot about, we can bring it up now, the Flight 19.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: For example, you, the army aircrafts that reported that they saw green water and they got lost. Basically, they were on a training training mm-hmm. mission. And they were going to dead sight things and they got lost, probably. And, you know, if you fly in the wrong direction over the ocean, you, especially if you go east from the Florida coastline, Mm -hmm. you will fly for a quite long time before hitting land again. Yeah. So... They probably ran out of gas somewhere, unfortunately, and crashed. And as you say, the ocean is really big. Things tend to not stay where you leave them Mm -hmm. in the ocean. It's very rude.
2: Exactly, so Uh, rude. (laughs) the
0: first pirate might have learned burying your treasure at sea. (laughs) And I think there's 14 people every year down in Florida who disappear on their floating devices Mm -hmm. from the beach that need rescuing so yeah but point at any point in the sea and you will probably find a shipwreck or anything else down there yes and um as you say just the um, part is a heavy trafficked area it is. the bermuda triangle with florida and cuba and all the islands So i'm not really sure where they get this oh it's so dangerous there
1: so weird But
0: they're using the Bermuda Triangle to basically move on to um, some more Greek mythology. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's uh, (laughs) Bill Barnes. He is um, among Childress and Giorgio. Billy is among the crazier of them. He always have the far most extreme theories. Yeah. And he even said in a previous episode, the more you will try to convince me that what I'm saying is wrong, the more I know that it's right. So he's just thrown Sir. everything regarding mm-hmm. science out the window. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his PhD in medieval literature don't really... yeah mean much at the moment what's
1: going on here (laughs) with all these with all these english and literature phds what happens when you go to school is it so stressful that you just lose your mind and you're like aliens are real is this what happens to phds
0: Well, they tend to grow, but that's more the stem science, the physicists. They tend to go a little cuckoo yeah. <laughs> uh, towards the end. But the literature people, they they sit and read books. I don't think they should be that yeah. stressful. Exactly.
1: You guys are just <laughs> reading. No nuclear
0: devices or weapon applications no. on it.
1: <laughs> no, you guys are just reading old old books. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But they're repeating the story of the titan goddess um, Asteria and how she tried to escape Zeus by throwing herself in the sea. What they don't bring up is that in the story, she's turning to a quail before going into the sea just to escape Zeus' unwanted romantic... Advances. um, yeah that was the <laughs> word i was looking for yeah basically and we have two different stories of that why they bring this up is because Giorgio will move on to another thing that really caught me off guard he will talk about bronze islands that's falling from the sky in as he would like to call it the greek my writing slash myth mm-hmm. there's nothing in Plato's writing about it and I'm not sure where he got it I searched I've searched I felt like Gandalf you know going through (laughs) the old documents (laughs) no nothing about any bronze islands because for once it would be weird the Greek wouldn't think things would fall from the sky really in that Mm -hmm. way if you would have um, asked for example uh, Aristoteles for example, he would say that oh that's just volcanic. So they didn't believe in meteorites coming from the sky. It's just no, it was a volcanic eruption. The stone came from the volcano, mm-hmm. landed here, case closed. Island. So yes. you know, bronze islands falling from okay. the sky. I even did try to write Giorgio Socalos. <laughs> I, I have not saw heard that from in your yet. notes.
1: <laughs> <That's Any day. laughs> so funny. <laughs> the only thing i could think about when so, he said that he thought that the islands fell from the sky is japan's like origin mythology mm-hmm. has like the islands were formed according to japanese mythology by the goddess amaterasu dipping her sword and like
2: mm-hmm.
1: like the the water droplets from the sword uh fall into the ocean and form islands but that's that's actually not the real story that's just like a pop culture story so maybe he got it wrong yeah. and was like yes this is a great idea let's bring it to ancient aliens instead of water we're gonna make bronze bronze islands <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's that could be something it's not i wouldn't say it's beneath georgio to maybe mix up myth as he fits. I know for example he will adapt his his theories depending on what he wants to say. So for example in a previous episode he talked about the humans in ancient times. How could they know that the earth is round? They thought it was flat because that would benefit his point and we all know that the ancient people didn't think that the earth was flat but it fitted him Mm -hmm. at the moment. But He will later in this series say that the ancient people knew that the earth was round.
1: Pick a side, Giorgio. He
0: will um, adjust his narrative. (laughs) No, if you're on all sides, you're always right. Always the winner. (laughs) Makes research a lot lot easier, but... Again, I'm not sure where he got it. There's some mention about a uh, iron or bronze dome in uh, the Odyssey uh, and the Iliad, but other than that, there's not not much metal in the sky for the ancient Greek yeah. to be honest. And I will see if uh, Giorgio gets back to me on that one. I will add it later in that case.
1: I really <laughs> hope he does. I really hope he does.
0: But I'm quite sure that he blocked me. <laughs>
1: Yay, that's like a feat. Let's hope. Put that on a resume.
0: <laughs> let's see of let's see how many of them that will block me before I'm done with this right. series. <laughs> <laughs> but talking on islands and Japan, I think we we should move on to another part of the world that you might be a bit more familiar and at home with. But you had never heard about the, uh, how would you pronounce that, the uh, yonagi? Uh, yonaguni?
1: yonaguni. Yonaguni is what it would be. Um, and I asked my hmm? husband. about, I'm sorry. My cat. Sorry about that. Um, I asked my husband about the. Don't
0: worry. Thank we you. like cats here.
1: <laughs> She's about. Sorry. <laughs> She's coming in to say hello. <laughs>
0: Waffle.
1: <laughs> Okay, get some love and get out of here.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> um, so I was I was rewatching the um, the episode this morning just to get a refresher on that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, my husband was over here, and he's Japanese. And I looked over at him and I asked him, "Have you yeah. ever heard of the Yonaguni?" And he was like, "What? The island?" I was like, "Yeah, the island." He's like, "Yeah, it's in Okinawa." <laughs> Have you heard anything else about it? He's like, nope, nothing. So <laughs> <laughs> apparently, it's not that familiar. I don't know. I've I'd never heard about it before, before watching this episode.
0: I think I've heard it in Crossing previously no it was the lady who bothered me about the bosnian pyramids who brought that up too oh, um, really? don't mention that you're an archaeologist or studying archaeology to random people because <laughs> you will get assaulted by weirdos
1: <laughs> yeah i believe it that's actually
0: how i got into the whole uh, hmm yeah we will definitely get more of this but uh, they talk a little bit that um, the uh, yunaguni mm-hmm. monuments or city or what we should call it mm-hmm. were found somewhere in 1997 by i'm sorry for this Hiro hishiro, mm-hmm. hishiro arati
1: where, where are you at uh, oh i hishiro...
0: barely speak swedish <laughs> <laughs> hishiro
1: arataki hishiro arataki is his name <laughs>
0: I will just cut you in when I'm trying to pronounce Japanese names. Perfect. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Hishiro found the complex in 1997. And the show say that experts call it a marvel in underwater archaeology. What experts don't mind that. And now we will meet a lot of Graham Hancock. Because this is his bread and butter, basically ancient civilization that predates modern uh, thoughts on archaeology. And we also meet uh, Masaki Kimura. Mm
1: -hmm. Perfect.
0: Who um, are one of the, not discoverers, but the bigger proponents of the site. And he is an actual geologist. But we have to remember, smart people can be- believe weird things too. Yeah. I think he have uh, thrown his theology degree out the window because his pet theory wouldn't fit within the frames of it. Mm-hmm. But he talks about tools and engraved stones. Again, the show doesn't show you. Again, tell, don't show, as you do in, in a documentary uh, movies. <laughs> and... <laughs> Engraved stone, And I went to uh, Kimura's report for a conference that he made. He don't show it there either. So convenient. There's no picture whatsoever to be found of these engraved stones and tools. So, so silly. Either they don't exist or they exist but isn't what they want them to be. So for example, a gravestone would... For someone who is traversed in that type of studies would definitely be able to differentiate between a natural engraving or what we should call it, a natural mark on the stone or a human made mark. For example, here in Sweden, we have a lot of um, holes in bedrock Mm -hmm. in mountains and those hole comes from rocks during the glaciers when they moved backwards. They made stone spin. What? Believe, making dance in the mountain. Yeah. That's
1: so cool. Sweden seems very hardcore. So, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the whole uh, Scandinavia, Russia part. But yeah, you have these natural formations that sometimes just appears. Even the cat protesting in I hear that. She's in the not <laughs>
1: very happy about any of this.
0: <laughs> I think that's why they don't want to show either the tools or the engravings. People will just say, well, that's not what you say it is. What was it I was thinking? We meet David Wilcock. It's a lot of uh, similar endings. I wonder if there's a connection <laughs> with, <laughs> on the names. <laughs> Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sue me, America. Um, But the structures are on a 18th to 30 meter depth. And the series talk about how it's a human face at 1554. They show a piece of rock with two eyes slits. I thought it looked like Iron Man.
1: Yeah, I thought it looked like Iron (laughs) Man too. I 100% thought it looked like Iron Man. (laughs) And... (laughs) If you look, so the place where this island is, is in the, like, grouping of islands called, like, Okinawa. It's the prefecture of Okinawa. And Mm -hmm. Okinawa was not originally a part of Japan. They were their own kingdom. They were their own people. They weren't even considered to be Japanese. And if you look at the earliest depictions of human faces... They look totally different. So even if this big, giant Iron Man stone was supposedly (laughs) man-made, there would be no connection between the Okinawan people and this stone, which, uh, now that I'm saying this, I realize maybe would give ancient aliens more fuel for the fire to say, you're right, it's not Okinawan-created, it's aliens. take that back edit that out don't give them that
0: bite down on that (laughs) (laughs) no but at the same time it's a silly thing you have a lot of these places that looks like figures in nature for example here in sweden on the island of gotland if it's still part of sweden yeah But you have this place that we call uh, Mm Hobergsgubben or the Hoberg man that if you look at it from the right angle, looks like a profile of a man or human, which is a fun thing. But that's human nature. We we like to look for things that looks like us out in the nature Mm -hmm. in general. And that's why we see faces in trees and why we see... A strange creature in the forest at night when we're out running. Yeah. It's part of a defense mechanism and it's fun to look for shapes and see what they look like. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, kids do it all the time when you're laying and bored in the yard and you look up and you're like, this cloud is a Pokemon. This cloud Hmm. is a clown. This clown is a whatever. (laughs) People have been, it's, it's a natural thing to do. It's fun.
0: Yeah. It's a fun thing. But Kimura thinks that this face first looked like a Maui, you know, from the Easter Island. Mm -hmm. And... Sure. (laughs) But then he realized that, no, this is not a Maui. It's, of course, the swings. Of course. You understand? Of course. Because, of course, there's some pyramids and you have the connection. And I don't know. They kind of drop it somewhere there as far as I can... Remember, but again, they have these close ups on stones because if you look from the big pictures, you will realize that it's just stones that you can find everywhere else. So, Carlos think it's hilarious that when he says that either the ancestor who built <laughs> this structure had scuba gear, or it was not built, or it was built when the seawater was lower.
1: <laughs> or. Now hear me out. And he
0: loves to have these...
1: <laughs> it could just be a natural phenomenon <laughs> and have nothing to do with people.
0: <laughs> but he loves to bring these extreme examples of... Oh, either... Either, listen to me. Either they had rocket engines and <laughs> laser pistols. Or... And they had to be upside down and hold their breath for... 200 minutes. He (laughs) loves these extremes examples. And then he pitched that. Or it was aliens. Because did you hear how ridiculous it sounded (laughs) when I said it the first time? Aliens (laughs) seems more reasonable compared to that, right?
1: Rocket pistols. Don't be silly. (laughs) It it was definitely aliens.
0: (laughs) No, with a levitation gun.
1: Right. (laughs) Of course. Don't be silly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So they want to say that. When the sea level was lower, it was basically some 14,000 years ago when we were just primitive hunter-gathering. I got a bit upset at this point because on the screen, when they say these primitive hunter-gatherers, they show something that they want to depict as humans, but maybe it's, for me, it looks like uh, maybe Homo erectus or uh, earlier um, Homo um, human human people but showing them hunting some holy rhino with simple stone tools and then they put this primitive above it but that's i don't know they have this weird fetish by calling humans primitive in a sense that they are stupid yeah because they don't use it that it's primitive technology it's primitive humans how could they have the intelligence to do this. Us archaeologists don't use the word "primitive" in that sense any longer because there's this notion that it's less intelligent. Mm-hmm. They are just as intelligent as we are today, but they have a lower standard of technology, and it's quite hard to propel a technology if you don't have written language yet or. Yeah. You have to worry about a lot of different things, and if you don't have a greater society where you can specialize, where every day is a, you know, you trying to survive, you hunt, you gather, you tell stories, you don't pro- have the same need to evolve your technology that we might need today in a different way. Yeah, but. Yeah, they talk of these primitive people that made me uh, quite upset. Same. And that they will continue doing previous in the. (laughs) And just that picture was was
1: horrible.
0: Who made that picture? Make sure that you got. I have no idea. I will try to look (laughs) it up later on and see. Uh, And we'll try to put something in the show notes if I can find some non copyrighted uh, (laughs) image. Because it's a horrible picture yeah. basically
1: i just want to talk to the artist but... i just want to talk That's up <laughs> that's it
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with you <laughs>
1: what the heck is going on here <laughs> did you know what you were doing did they just give you a prompt and say draw this and you had no idea what it was for <laughs> are you just as confused as us <laughs>
0: could be mm-hmm. uh, could be or it's from a really old textbook because yeah. previously we, uh, yeah, we weren't as kind as we could have been in the past yeah. in general. So it could be in some old um, school poster, mm-hmm. actually, from the style. Yeah. I will try to see where it's from. But they, in the shows also talk about human fossils. And when you say fossils, it needs to be old. Mm-hmm. I'm no geologist. I can be 100% honest with that. But... Fossils can form in a very short period of time during certain circumstances. Yeah. I'm not going to go into this because it's way over my head. At least, <laughs> but no archaeologist or geologist would be surprised to find fossils of humans, for example, especially in certain situations because they can form really quick if you're lucky some takes more time yes but other than that but they use this to again emphasize that it has to be old because it's a fossil and during this period we were so primitive we didn't have society we couldn't even think on how to plan a society and (laughs) so they talk about the periods ten thousand BCE so I go and look up a little bit and we have Gubali Tepe, for example, 9,500 BC. It's the earliest date. So mm-hmm. 500 years after. Just
1: 500 years. Yeah.
0: Uh, they could plan a whole temple complex. Just 500 years. <laughs> That's fine. And then Wall of Jericho, 2,000 years later. Mm-hmm. Again, it sounds much, but it's not like Wall of Jericho popped up. Uh, on 8000 BCE uh, New Year's Day there there's a lot of evolution behind it leading up to that point of that building and we have uh, Shiro Krita from 7000 BCE and we uh, again move back to Bermuda's triangle because of course uh, this monument is in the Dragon's Triangle.
1: Oh my gosh. What are you? <laughs> the next non existent <laughs> triangle. The next non existent deadly polygon. Good Lord.
0: Yeah, it's just. Oh, but people are disappearing over there too. Yeah, you're right. And then they start to write more triangles.
1: (laughs) Let's just draw a bunch of triangles, look inside the triangle and see if we can find any ships because I'm sure that there's going to be some there and that can be the next deadly polygon in the ocean. It's going to be great.
0: Were you familiar with Dragon's Triangle at all? Yes. I think it was one of the first times I heard it, at least heard it and paid attention to it. Uh, probably come across but you have encountered it before in your Bermuda phase or
1: <laughs> it was in my Bermuda phase is it a
0: common myth in Japan
1: Um, I don't know if it's a <laughs> common myth in Japan I don't think so but I came across it in my Bermuda triangle phase because I was convinced I was convinced that my mom and my dad my, my dad was in the military and he would fly to Japan a lot before I moved here and hmm upon my research of the bermuda triangle i found the dragon's triangle and i learned that it was close to japan and i was convinced that my dad was gonna fly into the dragon's triangle and be lost forever
0: (laughs) just like the um, flight 19 yeah just
1: like flight 19
0: (laughs) on the other side of the world
1: exactly it never happened my dad's fine
0: That's good to hear. So no <laughs> weird disappearance in Dragon's Triangle and coming back the same age a few years later. No. Or... No. <laughs> no.
1: He is bald now, though. Uh, so shoots. that could be... Could have had. Could be a reason.
0: <laughs> I see a connection. He flew through Dragon's Triangle and then mysteriously just lost all his hair. All
1: of it. Now that he's Could be the radiation <laughs> uh,
0: from the... but yeah everything in a data sample of one is anomaly basically wilcock claims that even japan has designated this a disaster area and they
1: haven't it's not they have not
0: that might be it's not true. true it's not true i thought they could have claimed it due to storms or something like that something mundane but you know they would pick it up but they just invented the disaster area of whole cloth.
1: Yep. Oh. So there, there are parts of, there are places in Japan that do have danger warnings. There is no place on Japan's hmm. coast or anywhere in the Pacific Ocean that is that large of an area. There are spots within the Dragon's Triangle that are considered very dangerous. The Dragon's Triangle itself, however, is not considered a dangerous area altogether. So that's just... It's just a lie. Mm. I mean, it's its mm-hmm. true in that there are places within the triangle that are dangerous. The triangle itself, not a designated mm. danger zone.
0: No, it was what I suspected, but I thought I would give in some leeway there. As I mentioned before, it's not beneath them to have some creative... Uh, interpretations of things and from the Dragon sea we have uh, billy barnes come back and talk about the ufo that columbus saw
1: good old billy have you
0: heard that story before yes i have
1: have heard this story before (laughs) i was reading a book called over i think i have it on my bookshelf over there um it's called over the edge of the world and it's about um magellan's Hmm. circumnavigation around the world and he also saw these strange lights i forget where it was but it was around the same location as where columbus reported to see the ufos um and columbus didn't use the word ufo Hmm. he said balls of light that's what he said no yeah so yeah there is a natural phenomenon and i think forget what it's called but it's where um like static electricity has nowhere to go or something like that over the like open ocean and it forms these balls it's it's a real Hmm. phenomenon it's a documented scientific phenomenon where these balls yeah ball
0: lighting we talked a little bit about it It's so you can have this balls of light. It could be. And we covered this back in episode seven. And there's multiple theories So as Columbus described it, he saw the light from a wax candle. So that's the whole fantastic description. Yeah. I went back to the logs to double check that because, well, of course, I can't trust ancient aliens. Right. But <laughs> The theories around them are either you have the ball lightning that static electricity mm-hmm. shows up to this little ball of light, which do happens, or it can be as mundane. You have these little sea creatures that, during mating periods, flies up like um, like these um, light flies. Oh, fireflies!
1: Fireflies
0: fireflies yeah yeah like the tv show but um <laughs> for these little fireflies sort of sea creature flow up and he saw just the ending of the mating scene when they were going back into the oceans yeah so there's several different is until we see it again we won't really be able to say what it is so it's a little mystery but i don't think we need aliens to explain it in the no. end why they bring it up here, I have no idea, to be honest, because it didn't really fit.
1: In the, the show at all, yeah. Felt like they're,
0: oh, we are a few minutes short.
1: <laughs>
2: Let's just... <laughs> bring on. it
0: up. Oh, but Columbus on UFO in the Bermuda Triangle. I think that's the hook, but I think it's, oh, we're a few minutes short. Let's bring in Billy and having talk about something. Good old Billy. And pick out the best. And they move on to... They want to make a connection here yes. that I didn't get at all. They want to get on the 25 degrees north cut, they say.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It cuts through both of the triangles. <sighs> as any imaginary line might do on a map in the area. And I'm not really sure why they went with the 25 degrees parallel north because it's not a thing in Anything Mm-mm. You have, <laughs> it's not a thing in five anything <laughs> major circus of latitude <laughs> <laughs> no, you so the important circus are the Arctic, the Tropic of Cancer, the equator, the Tropic of Capricorn, and of course Antarctic, yeah, I think the Tropic of Cancer would cut through both of them, so I'm not really sure why they went with the twenty fifth degree anything.
1: I don't think they know why they chose it, so just sounds good.
0: <laughs> it's nice and b- but it's, a, it's a nice number. I, I would guess. say Tropic of Cancer sounds more <laughs> sounds more interesting, right? but yeah, we look a bit more on uh, underwater rocks. We talk about lost instruments and. Then they start with the 1803, Japan, mm-hmm. Legends. And I've encountered Utsuro-bune before. Mm-hmm. So I was, will they really bring that up? And yeah, they will bring it up. Do you know anything about Otsuro uh, bune
1: I have heard of Utsuro-bune in like very limited context because i love i love japanese mythology but it's not it's not a popular myth here at all but it definitely follows along the same Hmm. mythological tropes the legendary tropes that japan has often there is a person that shows up unexpectedly or there is a person that is transported to another place unexpectedly. And boxes, weirdly enough, boxes are involved in several legends in Japan. The most notable one being um, the legend of Urushima Taro, who... It's a crazy coincidence. The ancient alien people would love this. But <laughs> Urushima Taro saves this turtle from being bullied by these boys. And the turtle, oh my God, it's a talking turtle. And the turtle's mm-hmm. like, hey, would you like to come to the underwater palace with me? Obviously, no one would say no to going to the underwater palace. And Urashima Taro hops on the back of the turtle and then no. they go, yeah, right? <laughs> no one would say no. So Urashima Taro hops on the back <laughs> of the turtle and goes down to the underwater palace where he meets the queen of the, I forgot her name. She's like some princess or queen of the ocean. And he stays down there. He's eating, hmm. he's drinking. He's having a great time, loving life. He stays for three days. And on the third day, he decides, okay, I miss my family. They're probably worried about me. I got to go back. And the queen princess lady tries to tell him not to go back and can't convince him. And it ends up giving him a box. And says, do not, under any circumstances, Mm. open up this box. He goes back. He's like, fine, I won't open the box. Goes back and realizes that he didn't spend three days in the palace. He spent 300 years. Everybody he knows is dead. Everything Mm. he knows is totally gone. And his family is dead. So he's very sad, and he opens up this box, even though the princess queen told him not to, and he ages 300 years like that, and he dies.
0: Yeah, that's a quite fantastic story. I have actually heard it in the past. Have you? It's quite sad, in a way.
1: It is a super sad story. uh,
0: Yeah, I think it was on uh, Myth and Legends, Mm. that podcast, So if you haven't watched the episode or not sure what Atsurubune is, the short story of it is basically a sea vessel described as round with racing windows, basically, Mm -hmm. or bars on the sides uh, is washed ashore. And some uh, villagers or fishers encounter it open inside is this Western looking woman with blonde hair, as I understood it. Yeah. Was it dark? It in was, the paintings, I saw it's darker. In the
1: paintings, it's dark. In the legends... Pale skin. Yeah, she's got pale yeah. skin. But that's a, a common thing in Japan. Pale skin is considered to be the most beautiful skin. That's mm. That's just what the belief was. And blonde hair doesn't happen even genetically like as a fluke unless there is albinism <laughs> so blonde hair and pale skin is like the most yeah you no know, it would be it would have been the most exotic of the time but it's 1803 so it's not like there hasn't been foreign people in Japan
0: westerners yeah
1: yes there has been westerners in Japan for <laughs> god like almost 200 years at this point and this was during the time of the um the Edo period where no foreigners were allowed to come in mm. and no Japanese people were allowed to go out unless it was sanctioned by the government so of course this, a story like this would crop up yeah. because people are people are bored they're gonna make a story about a foreign lady who
0: yeah accidentally <laughs>
1: comes <laughs> so <laughs>
0: Yeah, and um, in the story they described that she had rugs inside the vessel mm-hmm. and the amount of water she had even I saw in one story. And then they go into the box. Yeah. Because the... I'm sorry again. Kazuo oh. Tanaka,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: who is an engineer. Yeah,
1: he's an engineer. <laughs>
0: telling this story. Uh, Tanaka <laughs> says that... Uh, that a box doesn't resemble boxes in Japan that you would usually store a head in.
1: Why did we jump because to that in logical the box, conclusion? It's
0: described that <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs> in
0: the box. I'm not now. I don't remember if it's in the story, but I think they bring up that they suspect there's a head from her lover in the box because, okay, sure, she don't speak the language. Uh-huh. Or anything, they can't communicate. But the storytellers figure out that she must have been put out to sea because she fell in love with the wrong man, who was then decapitated and his head in the box and sent out with this woman. And uh, but Tanaka says that well, this is, doesn't resemble a box where that Japanese uh, people store their cut off heads in. <laughs> I have not been able to find the box that Japanese people <laughs> store heads in. I don't think there's a thing in Japanese culture.
1: There is. in. It was a huge thing among samurai. Only, only samurai. It wasn't like everybody in Japan was going around chopping off people's heads. It was? It was, it was among the samurai <laughs> class that you would... You would chop the heads off of your enemy, only other samurai, and present them to whoever your leader was mm. to get kind of like more clout, to get more um, recognition as a samurai. That's it. That is the, mm. the extent of the head chopping off. It it wasn't like a punishment thing. It wasn't... That's
0: pretty cool. Yeah, it in is a super, sense. super cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That they actually... But they had specific boxes to present it for because I I think it's quite cumbersome to have, I don't know, a squire run around with your head boxes (laughs) after you during battle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, only super, super elite people would have their heads put in boxes. If not, you would just like put it on like Mm. in a bag or you would put it on a pike or something like that. If it was a higher up samurai that got their head cut off and you were presenting it to your higher up then you would put it in a box but the box it wasn't like a special kind of box it was a Mm. it it was basically a rectangle that opened up from the bottom so the base was here and like (laughs) this and you would open up the box like this and present the head that yeah and it usually had like it was a lacquer box with a symbol on it sometimes, and sometimes it wasn't. But it wasn't like an elaborate box. It was just a box. It was a rectangle. That's it. It was usually just a black box. Sometimes it was brown. That's all.
0: Mm-hmm. But maybe it was a yellow box, so then you wouldn't store your head in it.
1: You never store your head in a yellow box. That would just be...
0: See, he is onto something.
1: Inappropriate. <laughs> no, <you can't. laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be silly.
1: So silly.
0: <laughs> but the story continues that they uh, try to talk with her. She don't speak the language. They don't speak her language. And then they realize that she, her lover's head is in the box. And she has been uh, designated to uh, be cast away on the sea in her little vessel. So they put her back in the vessel <laughs> and out <laughs> in the sea she goes. Because...
1: Savage. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's so mean. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's a quite mean end to the story. But again, since it's just a legend, and if you say that if during this period, uh, foreigners were not allowed to come in here, I guess it mm, would make sense for them. Well, back in the sea you go, you can't Mm -hmm. stay here, sort of approach to it. But uh, again, the ancient aliens want to tell you that this lady is an alien, basically. Yeah. And they want to say that the box contains some Alien, intelligent brain uh, computer. Yeah, for some reason, as I gather it, and I would say that's poor planning from the aliens to you know, oh, we're going to send them this lady with this advanced computer, so they will get this amazing technology, and then they select someone who don't speak the language, yeah. and. <laughs> And
1: they don't even put it in the right head box.
0: Silly thing. And could you maybe explain what I found on Google when I misspelled (laughs) Tsurubuna? Uh,
1: So what you found um, is actually a series of characters. So there's these characters called Yurukera in Japan. And pretty much any organization, any city, any town, any... Anywhere, any school has a yurukera, and you found... What yurukera did you find? Hold on, let me just... Yeah, you found a cartoon... It's a little bit pixelated, but I'm pretty sure that you just found a cartoon character. (laughs) Okay. Or a city's mascot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the... Dangerous part of letting Google spell for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> but from this uh, Otsorobune we move to uh, dogo figures. Yeah, that I've never encountered at all. I can be quite honest to say that Japanese history is not been my cup of tea, so to say.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Don't really spend much time on university on it and uh, I got interested in other historic places. So in a way it's quite nice to see these fantastic things. So maybe you want to describe the dogo figure.
1: Yes, I covered the uh, dogu figures in one of my episodes actually um, about Japanese tattooing, So the Doku figures come from a period of time called the Jomon period. And this, I cannot remember um, if it's one of the oldest pieces of pottery in, no, scratch that. It it is the oldest kind of pottery in Japan and they are these little tiny figures Mm. And they're made of clay, and they've got all sorts of markings all over their bodies. The Jomon period was from 14 to, oh, I think you have it in your notes, 14 to, yeah, 14 to 300 BCE. Yeah. <laughs> it's the oldest, thank you for that. <laughs> it's the oldest civilization in Japan, and they are extremely sophisticated which I hate using that word because sophistication hmm. is such a subjective thing, but I don't know a better word to use. They had a pretty luxurious life. No, they ate it's... really well. Yeah, thank you. Well, I don't know what word to use other than sophisticated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think we have. A... For the time there, as I've come to understood it now, reading up on it a bit more, it's. they seem to have a very great location so they had plentiful fish yeah a, a lot of uh, things to gather and good hunting which meant that the yaman culture could have a sedimentary lifestyle that for example europeans and Africans could not have until we got agriculture in a yeah. sense yeah since our resources was a lot more spread out and more mm-hmm. seasonal uh, but the yaman culture we had have really nice settlements and they could start to specialize, for example, Yaman ceramic. It's compared to the U- European version at the same time. Very mm-hmm. intricate compared to that. And very intricate. I, I even found this little nice food snippet that I like that we have found <laughs> uh, remains of biscuits that they made that was made from uh, flour, from chestnuts and walnuts. Into mm-hmm. that you add a little bit of blood and meat and then add some bird egg. And then you have this little biscuit type. Uh, Delicious blood and bird egg biscuit. Apparently. <laughs> <ate>.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the it's Jomon culture was not really... not that far ab- off
0: from... Uh, from uh, in Sweden we have something called uh, blood pudding. Which is oh, basically yeah. flour and blood it's, it's actually I've heard of tasty. Irish, <laughs> Irish <laughs> blood
1: pudding. I didn't know Sweden also had blood pudding.
0: No, we have this uh, blood pudding, or we have a lot of blood dishes, to be honest. But this one I actually eat. So you have the pudding, which is basically flour and blood mixed up and a bit of sugar. And you eat it with um, roasted potatoes and nice. uh, lingonberry jam Ooh. and maybe some fried bacon on the side.
1: Heck yeah. <laughs> Sounds great <laughs>
0: So that's a simple traditional Yeah, it's a lot better than you think from the name But um, people tend to It's a bit spongy It's a texture that might be weird to some But mm-hmm. yeah, if you have the opportunity And eat uh, animal products you, you should try blood pudding if you go to Sweden It's yeah. better than the um, the fish we have <laughs> yeah, The surströmming. <laughs> The fermented fish. <laughs>
1: the fermented fish, <laughs> yes. I have heard of that before. Um, yeah. No offense, probably never going to try that.
0: <laughs> it's actually tasty. You just need to it? eat it outside. That's the key point. Is yeah, it really that smelly? Eating it a lot. You have, yeah, we usually open it in a bucket of water. So far away from where you're going to sit and eat outside. And if you do it like that, it doesn't smell that much. Uh, you have a bit of the fermented smell, but it's not worse than fermented cabbage or fermented uh, gherkins. Yeah, and then you eat it on hard bread nice. with some potato and cream, cream fresh with some um, mm. spa- herbs on it, and uh-huh.
1: yeah. I do but love the, fermented if food. If you
0: open it the wrong way,
1: that's the problem. <laughs>
0: yeah it can i don't like other but this i i can eat if you open the can properly <laughs> and not do as a friend of mine who opened it inside his apartment oh because no. he had never had soo stroming before so he just brought it inside and,
2: <laughs> and it opened it opened up the
0: can and oh. he, he he had a bad time for some
1: the poor unfortunate soul <laughs> Yeah, he
0: were a bit sad after that.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. But you said
0: about uh, Jomon culture.
1: Yeah, Jomon (laughs) culture. (laughs) They had blood food, um, those biscuits. (laughs) And Jomon culture had a lot of... We're we're discovering new things about Jomon culture all the time because they actually had um, something that's totally different from Japanese culture now, burial mounds. So in in Japanese culture now people are always burned. You always burn them. They're always cremated, but during the Jomon period, mm. these big elaborate burial mounds were created and there was there's all sorts of artifacts inside of them like these dogu and other you know artifacts that typically people around the world bury their dead with. And the interesting thing about these dogu that <laughs> in ancient aliens they pointed out they were like clearly this is a spacesuit. Do you see all these markings? Do you see the <laughs> where their eyes are? And do you see the connection between this and the they made a connection with another culture's um art uh, like little people statues. I forget what culture it was. um
0: yeah had a
1: the Hopi, yes The Hopi
0: people from um, America
1: Yeah, so they're very similar And one of the reasons why they are similar Is because people, hu- human beings all over the world Develop art in in their brains About the same, hmm. in, in the same way So if you look at children from Japan And you look at children from America And you look at children from Sweden at the same age or around about the same age, they'll have the same style of art. Usually humans, when they draw humans, the human starts out as a circle with eyes and little stick legs. And then as the kids get older in all hmm. three countries, they start getting more detailed. You'll have maybe a body, maybe the le- the arms sticking out of the top of the body and then the legs sticking out of the bottom of the body. Yeah. So, Art, Arch, uh, not architecture, um, art sculpture develops in much of the same way. So, the reason that they look, not the reason, but one of the contributing factors of why they look the same is because of this weird developmental thing that happens across humans all over the world yeah and the style and the style of the <laughs> jomon <laughs> of the jomon statues is aligned with the clothing that they wore and the tattoos that they had on mm-hmm. their bodies so those those um bands that they had around that ancient aliens said oh these are clearly spacesuits They're not spacesuits. suits. They're tattoos, and they're pieces of clothing, because no. the, the Jomon people then would um, turn into the Ainu people, and so the Ainu people are the indigenous group of people in Japan, and their clothes look very similar to mm. the clothes that are on the Jomon Dogu statues. So... Make it make sense, ancient aliens.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it makes even less sense because they talk about this ancient text, as Giorgio wants to call it. Mm -hmm. Again, we have this ancient text. What ancient text, you might ask? Yes! Because during the German period, as I've come to understand, that they didn't have a writing system. I think the earliest script is somewhere 400 or 500. You have some... Earlier examples, but as I understand that it, it's more simple Chinese signs on imported goods. But yeah. the, the script that they used for sure is 400 or 500 CE. And they then move on to saying that the Dogo people, mm-hmm. since it's the Dogo is here, alien people, mm-hmm. uh, they in these unnamed texts, learn the Japanese culture, the kimono, the wasabi, the sushi, the tea, and even the Japanese language comes <gasps> from these dogo alien visitors. <laughs> and I see I, that you're uh... a little bit <laughs> <laughs> upset here.
1: <laughs> I, let me tell you. I've never been more angry at watching a documentary, heavy air quotes, a documentary, than I was at that moment. I don't know if you're looking at the notes right now, but I think I say no in capitalized yes. letters like six times. Because this is this is not true. Who said this? Why would you say... Such false things when you have two of the most heavily documented cultures in history. Chinese history and Japanese history are crazy, crazily well documented. And let's just start off Mm. with the claims that they said. So they said tea came from aliens. No, it did not. It came from China. And (laughs) (laughs) then they said the language came from the aliens. No, it most assuredly did not. The language came from China (laughs) and women from the Heian period, the Heian period was uh, 794 to 1185. The Heian, one specific Heian woman Hmm. made a separate alphabet that was not just the Chinese kanji to make it more easy to read and to write. And then the other alphabet. There's three alphabets in the Japanese language, none of which came from the aliens. <laughs> and then <laughs> the, the kimono also came from China. It came from China during the Wu Dynasty. It was like the like the 8th and the 12th century, or 8th and the eleventh century. It was a style of layering silks. Not aliens. Not aliens. Yeah. And wasabi? <laughs> Is native to Japan. <laughs> what are you talking about? The aliens gave Japan wasabi, kimono, sushi, tea, and the language? Get out of here. Stop it. You better stop right now. I was so upset. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like shaking. No, you
0: see, but they couldn't figure out how to use wasabi on their <laughs> self, And, you know, it's not... It's not natural to roll fish in uh, rice and no. seaweed. Uh, it must have been aliens who invented that. Must you have know, been. the rest of the world eat uh, blood pudding and things like that. <laughs> 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 no, and then we. The thing is, I assume that this is from Van Däniken himself that we are going to meet. I think you're just repeating because they tend to do this. Van Däniken, if you don't know, he's sort of the, the start of this ancient aliens and mm-hmm. what the ancient aliens like to do is to, they don't like to do much research. They read some of their co-workers or what we should call them's work they copy whatever they say into their new book and just repeat it. That's why you get these weird mistakes from them because sometimes Van Däniken has invented something. Uh, for example, we have in an earlier episode that they look at a journal that's today very available online from the, one of the American uh, settlers. And in there, they don't mention a specific date of an event, but Van mm-hmm. Däniken seems to have made up The date and everything, and then put it in his book. So the next one who reads the book don't go to the original source. They read Van Daniken. They take what Van Daniken wrote, put it in his (sighs) book, and then they continue that way. Oh
1: my goodness! So I
0: think this comes from Van Daniken, but Van Daniken, I think, messed up a little bit because until now the little Kachina dolls that they want to compare to the to the. um, Dogo figure. Previously, they have attributed this to the Sunni people. So that's another Native American tribe in the Americas. Mm -hmm. It's correct that both the Sunni people and the Hopi people have kachinas in their tradition. But there's a huge difference between these cultures. The Sunni people have never trusted Westerners for obvious, obvious reasons. reasons they have been burned <laughs> before by anthropologists so they they keep their tradition to themselves they don't like to talk to anthropologists they don't want to share their traditions and that's completely fine by everyone but ancient aliens have used that as a way to get their alien mm-hmm. theories inside sense the sunni people won't say oh that's a Bunch of bullshit because yeah. they keep that to themselves. It's holy yeah. for them, so they they don't want to share. But the Hopi people, it's very well documented. The Hopi made the cachina as a way to reflect on their own uh, traditions. So all the kachinas the elements. All of that, that's well within their heritage and they've documented it very clearly and they talk to anthropologists and little fun thing, the Kachina dolls, they didn't exist until the 1700s. Mm. So the Dogo statues are, yeah, they are not together at all <laughs> in time, location, in the sense on how they are used. No. <laughs> But they want to picture you that, oh, we talk about these things, so they should be at the same time. But no, the Kachina dolls are way later and we we have the origin very clearly painted by the people themselves. And they have explained in detail what all the little details are. So the Hopi usually have their kids make these dolls when they grow up as a way to learn their heritage and their tradition, which I found are quite it's great. nice nice touch mm-hmm. to it so yeah. every child gets their own little yeah, Kachina doll and then Van Then again goes from the dolls to Africa yeah for reasons so we travel they don't tell you what they just show you a painting of uh, what looks like a man and it has he- spikes I thought it looked like a bit punk uh, yeah. like some uh, I don't know spiked <laughs> hair or emo something guy. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, but they don't tell you. They say rock paintings in Sahara, which mm-hmm. is not that known. But we're looking at. I did some digging on this. Uh, the Tassili nadier as it's pronounced, and it's a UNESCO site today. And the area has fantastic cave paintings. If you're interested in that sort of things, this area is very beautiful. And they have uh, situations from hunting, everyday life, to even some more intimate uh, PG-18 scenes, if you look it up. Uh, (laughs) So they really document their life basically here. But of course, when you document your traditions and what you do, you will really get these, uh, as, as archaeologists want to say, ritual pictures. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that looks a bit stranger. But this one, I did spend some time looking into it. And basically, it's a human on the side. So it's, it might be sleeping or something. But it has these uh, necklaces you can clearly see on the picture and the head. And then they have these spikes on the head. Yesterday I was looking at it and I realized that it's probably, they painted over envelopes. Mm. If you look in the foreground of the picture, you will start to see that there's animals. So I think there's not a lot of space and they wanted to paint this person instead. That's why it has the spikes sticking out or it's something else. Anyway, it's not an alien is what I want to say, (laughs) Uh, but it fits well within the. The site and the art form itself. So that's my pet theory. It doesn't need to be through, but it's way more likely. I like it better than, than
1: aliens.
0: <laughs> depiction of uh, astronauts. Yeah. Yeah. But for the life of me, I can't figure out the connection that Vandana can make between the Kachina dolls, the Sahara cave paintings, and the Dogo people there's no connection in time geography they even not used in the same way but he makes the line and aliens
1: aliens <laughs> aliens <laughs> that's it that's all the connection you need yeah so
0: and the show don't really spend more time than that on it either because we mm-hmm. move to um, India India. and (laughs) Kambat. Why? Because it has two sunken cities, they claim. Mm -hmm. So we meet uh, Graham Hancock, who is on a research vessel, it seems like, uh, trying to find these two cities. And sure, they are correct that there's what I can assume harbor material in the Gulf of Kambat. But the show wants the artifact to be dated to, I'm not sure if they say BP or BC, but 32,000 years, something. I don't know either. I and don't the site know was covered by water 9,000 years ago. Again, if we talk about deglaciation and sea level rise, it's good to understand this uh, gradual process over 10,000 years. And usually the rise was about a meter every century. We have example of ex- extreme sea level rise. I mean, extreme, it was whole whopping five meters over 500 or over 100 years. But again, it's a gradual things, but they always portray that all of a sudden it was flooded, which is not how the sea rise worked no. at all. No,
1: <laughs> no. <So>,
0: and <laughs> covered 9000 years ago, don't really fit even within the... see see rise models either but i did manage to find some info about the artifacts because i was even unsure because you see a picture of uh, what they claim is artifacts and you can see what they claim is pottery or just stones as i could see at that table i'm not sure actually that that was what they found but they're saying that they did excavation that's not really what they did. They use sonar, and yes, there's structures beneath there, but it can be from earthquake, mudslide, or whatever. It's a harbor yeah. part of the time. Again, like in the Mediterranean. And they didn't excavate with divers, they dredged. So, what you do then, you take a net, you scrape the sea bottom of it, and then whatever comes up, you look at it. It's good if you want to just. Find something that you have lost in an archaeological context that's the worst thing you can do because you lose all context that the artifacts was found in underwater yeah. excavation is tricky to start with. dredging is not the way they would go at all since again you lose everything you have no idea where you found it, in what layer you just have things that of course can be nice to look at sometimes. Mm-hmm. But what they then dated is a piece of wood that they found from the dredging. Again, they don't know where the wood came from, how it was or how it was even handled. So the dating can be wrong because they mishandled the things or it's just a piece of old wood that somehow has gotten mixed in, dropped from somewhere else or whatever. We don't know. But then Childress comes in and says that, oh, but Hindu scholars says that their civilization go back to 10,000 or 100,000 of years ago. I think they mean priest here, Hindu yeah. priest.
2: Mm-hmm. Again,
0: religion, you look at things a bit different. I don't buy it, but that's nice because it's... Well, you have Christian scholars saying that the world is six thousand years old. So,
1: right? <laughs> yeah,
0: again, in the realm of <laughs> in the realm of religion, we can't take it for face values. Uh, but they talk about the magical city of Dwarka that still exists today. But the origins is of course from Shiva, and they talk a bit about the alien war. I don't know, I didn't find this part very interesting. It was yeah. way too out there. And they're they're standing on, I don't know really what. Sure, the Indian mythology is very interesting in the sense that they are like fantasy, science fiction novels from the start. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really think that they make a good case for this being a lost city since A, the city is there two, archaeologists is not surprised, three they haven't found any alien artifacts just things that you could you know, guess were there from the start Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I'm going to gloss this part over because they don't bring up anything useful Mm -hmm. they recite some indian stories which in no sense they can be interesting but i don't felt that it really did much for this episode at least
1: yeah i don't think so either
0: so how about we again move around the globe to uh, (laughs) to south america yeah to the lake Titicaca, of course
1: my favorite lake ever
0: and (laughs) <laughs> it's a fantastic lake. It is the name itself. It's a bit unfortunate, but I know. well, it's actually <laughs> the native name for it too.
1: It is. <laughs> when I lived in the states, sorry, this is a little bit of a side story. When I lived in the states, I was a world history teacher for junior high school kids. So that's the seventh grade, mm. um, <laughs> year year seven. And we covered Lake Titicaca, and we all also covered Djibouti. Um, and my, my students could not handle themselves when it came to both of those locations. And at the beginning, in my first year of teaching, every time I said Lake Titicaca, the kids would lose their minds. They would just die. I, they're all like 13, 14 years old, just losing it and i i learned by the end of the lesson that if i just let the kids say titty cock eyes many times as they wanted to in like I gave them 10 seconds. Just get it out. Just say titty caca as much as you want. And then for the rest of the lesson, you (laughs) cannot laugh anytime I say titty caca. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. So at the beginning of every lesson, I would have 10 seconds and they would just yell and scream, titty caca, titty caca, titty caca. (laughs) Probably my greatest teaching moment ever. It did. It worked. And the kids didn't didn't say Titicaca anymore. Anyways, sorry for that diversion.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. So if no, but it's great advice. So if there's any history teacher out there dredging their uh, lesson on Lake Titicaca, now you have at least a way to deal with exactly (laughs) your rowdy teenage student. (laughs)
1: Let him get it out.
0: (laughs) But I want to just get it out there.
1: (laughs) Titicaca.
0: Now we have said Titicaca for some time, so the listeners <laughs> might have stopped laughing at we're, least. We're good um, to go. <laughs> but of course, we will bring it back to uh, Tivanako, the famous mm. ancient alien size with the H block and sun portal. And, but uh, we're not going to focus on that this time. We're going to okay. see what's in the lake. And of course, they have found some legendary city of, I think they're just repeating that they talked about previously but yeah a legendary city that nobody except ancient alien theorists seems to know about which is interesting but yeah the area around Tivanaco and Lake Titicaca has been populated since a long time back so you will have multiple cities and you have little temples outside on the islands that I know about you have the island of the sun and of the moon, and they have uh, temples assorted with them. So this is a really big lake. And children' talk about how giants created Tivanako. Yeah, <laughs> it's not correct. And yeah, <laughs> previously it was aliens. He said in episode one, uh, in general. But anyway, uh, children claim that they. Archaeologist that was looking under the water found the remains of a 1500 year old mm-hmm. temple, which means that the lake needs to be artificial. How else would you be able to build under the water? And for this, he says that seahorses live in the lake. But you know, seahorses, they live in the sea. How yeah. would they be in a lake?
2: In the lake.
0: <laughs> so, first of all, I can see that you. <laughs> um talk about the uh, seahorses too i also try yeah. to look into it i could find some reference to something called the uh, hippocampus uh, titacanesis, mm-hmm. which is a mouthful yeah so but that's one example and nobody has really seen it since or before mm-hmm. so If it's there or not, it can be a discussion for a biologist. I'm not sure when we have an example of one, we can usually be a bit skeptical. Yeah. But um, they also talk about seahorses because you bring up the pipefish, which technically is sometimes, as I understand it, called a seahorse, but it's not a seahorse.
1: Yeah, it's not a seahorse
0: they are somehow connected in a way that my non biology mind doesn't really <laughs> connect
1: in the cursory but, like the uh, research that i made I did <laughs> it was like pipefish are the umbrella term for seahorses hmm. so there's like there's pipefish and then seahorse is a kind of pipefish it's just like all all squares are rectangles, but not no no no, oh, yeah. All squares are <laughs> rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. That kind of thing. So if there is, if yeah, there is basically. a seahorse quote unquote in there, <laughs> it's probably a pipefish.
0: Yeah, if it exists at all, Some as I said, the hippocampus-titcanesis example is not acknowledged by biologists in any kind. So if you would go to a mm-hmm. biology textbook on. Um, seahorses it would not show up there usually it's a sign something is off but that's for others to discuss but the lake Titicaca has a interesting uh, life in it in general unfortunately Mm -hmm. a lot of it is getting lost due to fish farms that they start to build in the lake which I can understand why they do it. Of course, it's unfortunate, but the people there should be able to live. But yeah, it's always a bit sad when uh, the lake mm-hmm. loses its native species. Yeah. But anyway, the temple that they call uh, or city or whatever is something that they want to connect to the Amhara people. It's a native people Georgia does this, he calls them Indians. I don't like it yes. because they, Native Americans, don't like it at all. And it's not something new. 2010
1: no. was this yeah.
0: filmed way after we stopped used the term Indian to Indians,
1: describe it. right?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in these cases, native to the south america they're obviously not the same as the native american tribes north mm-hmm. but in the south we usually call them as many other the amhara people or the amhara tribe we don't call them indians and indians, i think that's right? fair the term indian is not Correct and yeah. has baggage that no one really wants uh, mm-hmm. connected to it. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, Giorgio, need to freshen up his vocabulary yeah. is what I'm saying.
1: Get it together,
0: Giorgio. So get it together. I did. <laughs> yeah, get it together. Again, they don't show really any good pictures of the temple that they talk about. Again, a lot of close-ups of rock. So if you're a geologist, you might have a hard on for this episode. but I'm a father so I need to make the puns it's by law
1: (laughs) dad (laughs) jokes (laughs) contractually obligated
0: (laughs) yeah obviously (laughs) I might go to prison otherwise Um, Yeah. anyway the temple that they are (laughs) the temple they are referring to was found somewhere in early 2000 by a team that they call themselves the Athalapa uh, 2000 expedition. And the thing is, I spent much time going through journals, searching, and except for news outlet, there's not a single mention in publication, in studies about this temple. So the temple was first mentioned in December 2000 by different news outlets and then they picked it up in 2006 again. Why I don't really understood there but other than that and a press release from the group of uh, Athapulpa 2000 expedition there's nothing on it which means that either they don't didn't find anything interesting to archaeologists the group seemed to be composed of different scientists so it's within reason that maybe it was biologists that went out found weird structures and then uh, reported as a temple the dating no study on it either there's something an archaeologist would want to publish how they dated and why they want to put it within that time period again Not a single paper. So again, I think it's just something that to the untrained eye might look like a structure, but probably isn't. Because otherwise we would have something. It wouldn't just be a void except for a couple of news outlets. And when you see history reported in the news, you should be a bit careful in general since they... The news usually want to sell you the news. Mm-hmm. So they are not as likely to report if the if we realize that, oh, shit, it, that wasn't a temple. Sorry, we made a mistake. Because <laughs> that doesn't sell as much as underwater temple. Yeah, so you need to right. be a bit careful when seeing that. If you don't find journals bringing it up, be a bit skeptical. Yeah, but again we have Childress trying to tie it up because he likes to talk about the alien bases in Lake Titicaca mm-hmm. so he brings up that the alien activities, we have UFOs coming here and there, flying up from the lake and Giorgio ends the whole episode saying that with this ancient alien theory will be proven right yeah. And that's the end of it. Do you think? Sure, Giorgio. He... Are you sold on the ancient a- aliens theory now?
1: 100%. He had me at Aliens Gave Japan Their Culture. I was like, yes, <laughs> you're right, Giorgio. Tell me everything. I want to learn all of my history exclusively from Giorgio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, that would be something. Giorgio, the history teacher.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Those poor kids. (laughs) (laughs) I think if I showed my second graders this episode, they'd be like, Miss Taya, this is wrong. Like, yeah, I know. Seven and eight year olds (laughs) can see like find bullshit faster than Giorgio can.
0: (laughs) I feel a bit bad for them but again i think they are now in a position that this is their livelihood so they won't really come off the theory even if they might Mm -mm. not believe in it any longer but again i can't imagine being in this for so long without realizing one day that oh crap i have made a huge mistake huge
1: mistake right
0: (laughs) huge mistake But the alien people, they they have started to become more of a cult or religion. They have these almost religious documents. So I think that they've, otherwise, they would have come to the conclusion that maybe this isn't right sooner or later. But, well, again, if you earn all your money on talking about how aliens created this universe, you might not be likely to admit that you were wrong wrong that quickly.
1: Exactly. Unfortunately
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right what did you like best in the episode what was your favorite part
1: my favorite part of the episode um i think my favorite part of the episode was how uh tangential everything was like We found this thing in Greece, but whoa, let's go over to Cuba and then let's go over to Lake Titicaca. (laughs) But wait, Japan, like we're just covering all the bases. That was one of my favorite parts. (laughs) And obviously the Japanese history uh, was another one of my favorite things because, you know, sometimes when it comes to South American history Mm. or even Greek history, sometimes I, I, I don't know everything about it. Um, not saying that I know everything about Japanese history, but when you make claims like aliens <laughs> gave Japan their culture, I can spot the BS pretty quickly. So I really, I, I enjoyed that part as well.
0: <laughs> if the listeners would want to hear more from you, where would they go then? <laughs>
1: Well, if you would like to hear more uh, from me, you can go on uh, any podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, anywhere you listen to podcasts, and just type in For the Love mm. of History. I'll come up. It's a little blue and yellow uh, logo. And you can find me on Instagram at For the Love of underscore History Podcast, um, I've got a Twitter, but I don't really tweet because I don't really understand how it works. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm starting
0: to learn that now. So
1: Twitter's hard. Twitter's very hard. I'm a visual person, so I like the pictures and the videos um, on on Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> I've been making TikToks as of late, so if you want to come hmm? watch me talk about history for one minute, you can follow me on TikTok. <laughs>
0: Amazing. I will put links to everything in the show notes so it will be easy for anyone to find these. And something I'd like to ask our guests, what's your favorite alien movie?
1: My favorite alien movie would have to be... um, The name is blanking on me, but when the aliens come... uh, Space Invaders? That one, when the aliens come to the to the capital, to the White House. I think it's called Space Invaders Ooh. or something from Mars. It what it is made? it? It inv- Ma- Oh, Mars invasion! Uh, I think that's is what it, it is.
0: Mars attacks.
1: Mars attack. That one. That's my favorite.
0: The comedy alien with movie. the yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, where they have to chew gum to stay alive. <laughs> it's my favorite of yeah. all time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah it's my among mine too it's a really good alien movie and that they almost had misfits making the soundtrack for it
2: yes, yes. misfits
0: <laughs> took too long time so it wasn't done for the movie
1: <laughs> oh, it's one of the most hilarious little side facts about that, that movie Ugh.
0: but Thea, I, I will let you go and links in the show notes and we hope to see you again sometimes in the future
1: Yeah, of course. I'd love to talk about more outrageous alien history.
0: (laughs) Again, a massive thank you to Thea and links to her podcast for the love of history. And her social media will be found in the show notes for this episode. Of course, you will be able to find them on our website, diggingupancientaliens.com, where we also find sources, resources, and further reading suggestions. Remember to leave a positive review anywhere you can, such as iTunes, Spotify, or maybe to your friend at the trench. I would also recommend you to visit diggingupancientaliens.com, where you can find more info about me and the podcast, and you can of course find me on most social media sites. If you have comments, corrections, or suggestions, or if you would rather want to write an email in all caps you can find my email address at the website until next time keep shoveling that science (laughs) (laughs) This has been a production of Wikinger Productions, otherwise reserved. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. Remember that we have a subscription going on. You can become a patron or other subscriber for as little as two fifty per episode. Go to diggingupancientaliens.com/support. That is, go to diggingupancientaliens.com/support to read more information and sign up right there.